Elliot's slow layup for his delivery of those answers is soul-destroying. <laughs> I remember it must have been quarter to four in the afternoon when he rose like a phoenix. It's like your Elio impression. I've said it before, but it's like when a player's through on goal and then he takes it around the keeper and then just slowly jogs it into the net because he's got all the time in the world and he knows... He's oh, he gets on his knees and heads it like an absolute yeah, yeah. belly. <laughs> exactly. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that is brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a token Leeds fan called Dave, who joins us once again alongside my usual guests, Joe and Elio, to talk about a couple of games. Most importantly, first and foremost, will be that home North London derby and a fantastic result, winning 3-0 against Arsenal, a game that I was at, a game that Elio was at. So, of course, I'm sure we all can't wait to get in to talk about that one. We're also going to talk about the Burnley game, of course, which wasn't quite so emphatic, but was still a very well-needed three points. And of course, we're going to take a look at the comings and goings of our horrible North London slash Woolwich neighbours, Arsenal, who incidentally are about to kick off at the time of recording in nine minutes time against Newcastle, a game that we have a very close eye on. And Dave is currently sitting there in a black and white striped shirt, which is technically a Juventus shirt, but I'm choosing to view it as a Newcastle shirt. And he's going to be our man on the scene, keeping a very close eye on this game, reporting to us up to the minute updates, Chris Kamara style, full soccer Saturday. Dave, welcome back to the Plus Day podcast. How are you feeling about today's episode? Do you think you're up to it? Yes. I'm up to it. Thank you, Dags. Yeah, I'm still alive, just yeah. about. Um, I'm actually, as soon as Arsenal <laughs> score their first game, I'm going to take this off and there's an Arsenal shirt underneath it. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I thought you'd switch sides. I thought you were preparing for next season when Newcastle were challenging for the well, title. That would, we thought you'd that get would it be now. a white and green shirt, wouldn't it? I yeah, thought that was be, just their away kit. For now, Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I genuinely thought that was a hoax. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, also joining me after a week off, who returns, and he couldn't really have picked a much better week to be here, is Joe. Joe, welcome back. Are you looking forward to this episode? Yeah, definitely. A couple of good results to talk about. It's going to be a good one, isn't it? And Elio, finally, last but not least, welcome back. Ever-present, couple of nice results, but most importantly, Spurs-Arsenal. We are both there. What a game. Well, you're still allowed to go to Spurs <laughs> matches, so it's definitely a win for you. Um, My but, curse is lifted. Oh, for now, for now. Yeah. I, I, I need more evidence than this that you're not still a complete bad omen for the club. <laughs> However, very happy at the moment. Very happy for you that you got to see that. Mm. And yeah, I'm just about uh, recovering my voice as we speak. So, so <laughs> good timing to record. You promised us 60,000 Elios, and it wasn't far off. I mean, I haven't been to that many games. You've been to a hell of a lot. But to quote Mr. Gary Neville, one of the best atmospheres that we've seen all season. Talk to me about the atmosphere of that game. The atmosphere was incredible. The fans definitely held up their part from the first minute. It was a real Mm. cacophony of sounds of aggression and hatred towards the opposition, of applause and solidarity with our players. It, it It was exactly what you wish every game could be like, but not every game can be like that in this day and age. In a world where every match is overly televised, some games are absolutely hyped up to the rafters more than others, Mm -hmm. where sort of the partisan nature of football fanship has been made more extreme than ever. You at least want the special occasions to be like that. And the special occasion was like that. And I think it really helped the players to tell you the truth. I think they thrived off it. Mm. 
Do you remember what you told me when we got in the car after the game? Absolutely. And obviously, this comment very much needed the result to be what it was as well. But Mm. it was the coming of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It was the house becoming a home, essentially. And it's by far the best atmosphere we've had in that stadium. It's by far the best memory we've made in that stadium. And it's the first time that I left feeling the same kind of giddy post-victory at White Hart Lane feeling that (laughs) I used to feel in days gone by. So yeah, the house has become a home now. Dave, how did it sound on TV? I'm assuming you watched this one, or at least most of it. I watched it, but I didn't actually listen to it. I was at a barbecue, and it was on an iPad whilst we were listening to a load of 90s Britpop songs, which was great. (laughs) A bit of seahorses, a bit of long pigs. But yeah, we turned it up for the important parts, and uh, Mm. and yeah, it sounded like it was bouncing. Not quite Ibrox bouncing, but bouncing indeed. Well, I'm going to skip over that comment. I'm going to move on to Joe. Um, obviously, as Elio suggested earlier, it takes more than just a big occasion to get that kind of atmosphere out. You need the results as well. You need an early goal and you need a performance. And Joe, we definitely delivered on that front, didn't we, overall? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, so many things went wrong for Arsenal in that first half that Arsenal fans yeah. are all claiming ruined the match. But it's because they couldn't oh, live the with Spurs. Shouts. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they couldn't live with Spurs. And if you're going to take the game to Arsenal like that, of course the crowd's going to get behind you. And it, mm. I mean, I texted you guys during the game because it sounded amazing on television. So I can only assume it was incredible being there live. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't hear half of what my dad next to me was saying, to tell you the truth, because he was having to shout over the crowd noise. And mm. I sit in the quiet stand. I'm a West Stand upper person. We don't sing in the West Stand. So so that says it all. I dread to think what it would have felt like in, in the wall in the South Stand. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was an absolute barrage on the senses. And that was just lovely. I'll tell you something, the contrast between that and the Brighton game, which was the last game I went to in the exact same seat. I took Pricey's seat and I was sitting there and it was silent around me. And obviously that's because of the performance and the result, but it was just absolutely crazy. And there was some kid next to me who wasn't there last time, who was at, I think he was at his first game. And I was just thinking, that's unbelievable. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. And that's what we were talking about last time, wasn't it? How every North London derby you go into thinking this could be one that we talk about for years to come. And if we're doing this podcast in 10 years, no doubt Elio will be sitting there on Challenge Elio saying, right, I remember the lineup from that day. We beat Arsenal 3-0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with our first home crowd. But uh, so much to talk about in that game. And obviously, Joe, you mentioned Arsenal's horrible start. So we'll talk about that. But I guess there's no better place to start than the penalty that started it all. Dave, as the neutral, any doubts that that was a penalty? Do you think it was contentious at all? I mean, like I said, we didn't have the sound on when it all happened. Mm. And I had no idea what he'd blown the penalty for when that first happened. Me neither, by the way. So we had to turn it up and we were still questioning it as we were talking through the replay after replay after replay. But, I mean... It was, it was a bit of a soft penalty, but at the same mm. time, you've seen plenty of penalties recently yeah. that you've, you'd look at three times, four times, five times before you go, well, maybe it is. And then suddenly, what do you know? It is a penalty. I, I guess the only mm. surprise in this instance is that it wasn't a VAR penalty. It was an on the field penalty. Yeah, it was always one of those that you see a lot of them not given, don't you? But you also think that they probably should be given, you know, shoving in the box on a corner, that kind of thing. It's just, you know, it's a gentle nudge that you just, mm. you just assume it just happens all the time. And therefore you just go, yeah. well, it's just part of the game. But no, it's not. Probably not it's, worth it's all foul. the cries of conspiracy from the Arsenal Twitter fan base, though. I think that's probably taking it a little bit too far, considering how few penalties we've had all season. It's phenomenal short-sightedness by Arsenal <laughs> claiming, yeah, exactly. claiming conspiracy exactly. about this particular fixture. 
Yeah. But up until that point, though, I mean, I have to admit, I was quite nervous for the first 10 minutes. And Ellie, I want to get your thoughts on that. What do you think changed? Because Arsenal were probably the better team for a good maybe 10, 15 minutes or so. And they definitely brought the game to us. What do you think They brought the game to us. I'm not convinced how much of that was us sitting off and letting them sort of run around and knacker themselves because they did seem Mm. to get very tired very quickly. And how much of that was them imposing on us because for all their pressing and all their time in our half I don't remember our goalkeeper having to make a save which is usually meant to be the end product of dominating a football match so I think I was fairly calm throughout that period to tell you the truth and I think that once we did get that spell out from under us we started pushing forward and actually imposing ourselves on them which is what led to the penalty and Mm. uh, yeah I think one thing I want to be honest about is it was right in front of where I sit and I didn't notice it at first either I want to be honest Mm. about that I didn't I think it was given against us however if Harry Kane's goal away to Chelsea earlier on this season was disallowed for his push, if that happens in the middle of a pitch, it's given as a free kick, then it has to be a penalty. That's the way I see it. And yeah. you ask yourself, would Son have headed that if he hadn't been pushed? Probably. So therefore, it's a penalty. Soft, you, but still a penalty. What you lack for in vision from your seat, you make up for in photographic memory and holding a grudge on decisions <laughs> that haven't gone our way for months, sometimes years gone by, Elio. So it's always good to have you in our corner for these kind of occasions. This is interesting. You talked about the way we played and sort of pushing up. And this was quite an interesting analysis I saw of the way we played, actually. It's a tweet from Premier League panel saying, Conte is again busting the myth that you have to use an aggressive high press for territorial dominance. An aggressive mid-block that results in turnovers of possession when the opponent passes the ball into the middle third can be just as effective. Arsenal have looked rattled. I thought that was interesting because, you know, we're not Liverpool or Pochettino Spurs. We're not bombing forward trying to close down the defenders. We waited for Arsenal to make a mistake and capitalise on them. Is that something you'd kind of thought of before in terms of the way we approach our games? I mean, it it has been a mid-block and a deeper press under Conte than under Pochettino a few years Mm. ago at Klopp's Liverpool. Um, It's also been a higher line and more of a press than we enjoyed under Nuno or under Mourinho. So, uh, I mean... Yes, I'd noticed it, but I never really thought about how that translated into territorial dominance or not, because I think Conte is also quite horses for courses against Liverpool and Manchester City. He did play deeper, deeper and yeah. build up for the back. So I think it was the right tactic for this game. But I think until we have a summer with Conte training the players until we get more signings in, we are unlikely to see what Conte's plan A is in terms of on-pitch style, obviously formation-wise we can see it, because Mm. he's still in that working with what he's got phase and he's working with what he's got very, very well as the last sort of 10 game shows. Absolutely. Joe, tell me the story of the first half from the point of view of poor Rob Holding. He did not have a good (laughs) half, did he? Absolute disaster from him. Can he have any complaints with how that played out? No, not at all. I think the ref was great in terms of... I mean, I thought he should have got booked for one of his first barges on Son. He was getting in there, wanted to leave a mark on Son nice and early. And you were a bit like... It was a tiny bit frustrating because you wanted to see the ref protect our attacker a little bit more. But, yeah. okay, whatever, it's a derby. He then did book holding. 
And, you know, naturally, all the Arsenal players gathered around. There was a lot of frustration, but it was just, mm. it seems so obviously it was, it was actually one of his softer challenges on Son. But by that point, you thought that's like a second, third warning turned into yeah. a booking type thing. The sending off was just laughable by that point because he mm. completely lost his head and he was losing every battle with Son. And yeah. it, I mean, I called it when I was watching it with my friend. Just I said, "Holding will get sent." I thought, well, I thought, I thought Cedric might get sent off at one point as well because he seemed to be losing his head as well at one point. Mm. But uh, they they couldn't cope with Son, and they looked rattled from the first minute, having to deal with that yeah. pace. I think the second yellow probably could have been a straight red. To be honest, I don't know if anyone agrees, but it looked like I agree. A pretty clear. He knew what he was doing. I don't know if. He was aiming for his face, but those the elbow are swung. Those are rarely given as a red, though, I, I would say. Well, it, ask it, Fabinho. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Elio, you said that after the game, didn't you? You said, you said he must have seen Fabinho get away with it and think he could do the same thing. Precisely. Is, yeah, fair enough. Thankfully, everyone else had seen what Fabinho did on the same play and got away with it as well, including the referee. So I thought better of adding his name to the list of mm. absolutely rubbish referees uh, <laughs> exactly. at the moment. Um but yeah, the first yellow was cumulative. And I like what you said about Cedric there, because it just conjures one image in particular in my mind after one of Holding's challenges. I don't think it's the one where he got booked. He basically suplexed Son. Like it was a full on sort of Nature Boy <laughs> Ric Flair WWE move. And then a bit of a melee broke out and Cedric was getting completely in Son's face. And Harry Kane's literally just pushing little Cedric away, pushing him, pushing him. Like Cedric's just coming up and Kane's just palming him off like a little annoying mosquito. And it was hilarious can i just say i would love to know i'd love to go back through this podcast of the 33 episodes whatever we've done and find out how many wwe references we've made in the course of doing this just naming specific moves that various players have done on our players or vice versa absolutely brilliant um i'll tell you had arguably a worse game than rob holding Martin Keown, who before the game said that not a single one of the Spurs players would make it into the Arsenal team. Did you all see this? Martin Keown, no, he said I he wouldn't take a single that. Spurs player in the mm. Arsenal lineup. And I don't know if anyone's heard him since, presumably not, on Talk Sport, where one of those idiots, I can't remember if it was Cundy or O'Hara, was basically just giving him a hard time about it. And he said, um, if you just brought me on here to make me look stupid, and, and whoever it was said, no, Martin, you're perfectly capable of doing that all by yourself, actually. <laughs> that was Simon Jordan, who oh, was it? isn't oh, yeah. Yeah, idiot that's why and, was him. Uh, yeah, exactly. does like to call idiots yeah. out but Keon yeah. then massively backtracked and said well he was writing his piece in whatever it was Daily Fail I think and <laughs> essentially was saying I did it because I'm not going to slag off their players and knock their confidence or something like that as if any Arsenal player mm. is reading Martin Keon's <laughs> comment in <laughs> but what did Martin think <laughs> It's like us when we worry about slagging off players in case any of them ever come on us as a guest. You know, we're probably a little bit ambitious there, aren't we? Hey, Gregor Raziak is our number one listener in Poland. <laughs> he is. In fact, and he's you know our what? one listener in Poland. You've got this to look forward to. We've got two new countries that I'm going to add to the list later on. Okay. So you've got that to look forward to. So, uh, And they're, they're good ones too. They're good ones. Uh, so let's talk about second goal. So another goal from a good corner. countries. A nice little glanced on header. Harry Kane, the man for the North London derby. They must hate him so much. I loved that video that you sent around earlier that I then shared two days later, not realising you'd sent it, of Arsenal fan TV basically commenting on every single one of Harry Kane's goals. The man just loves playing Arsenal, and today was no exception. Yeah, we've been better than them for the best part of seven, eight years. He's been up front for us for the best part of seven, eight years, and he scored loads of goals against mm. them. It's down to reason, really. It's lovely to have your best player, your homegrown product, 
massively taking apart your biggest rivals year after year. Um, yeah. they, they still haven't found a way to stop them, whoever their managers are, whoever their players are. And, mm. and I think that's the point where you think we're just in their heads and Harry Kane is just in their heads. I do wonder about that because you always talk about certain players having a good record against certain teams. Obviously, Kane against Arsenal, Kane against Leicester, Son against Man City. You know, I wonder how much of that actually comes down to that player being well suited against that team and how much of it is just a mental thing. And you just get in your head and you're a defender thinking he's going to score and you, you know, you give him too much space and respect or whatever it is. But maybe that's a chat for uh, for another time. Dave, I want to ask you, um, a 2-0 with a man down, were you kind of thinking this is game over? Did you carry on watching or is that the point where you mentally switched off? A bit like how we switched over to the other channel after you guys were a man down against Arsenal 2-0 down. I mean, it certainly felt like that way. It didn't, <laughs> did, didn't look like there was any chance of them coming back mm. into the game. So, I mean, I don't usually say, I, I don't, certainly don't usually call it, but I certainly called this mm. one. Uh, you know, it, you did, what you came did. to pass is exactly what I said would happen in the sense that Arsenal can beat your middle to lower Premier League table teams ten a penny but mm. when it comes to playing someone with genuine talent that scare him a little bit it's just fold over and that's well that might be what happens tonight against Newcastle because you know you could argue Newcastle in a false league position at the moment and yeah. uh, and they're certainly flying in terms of form so we shall uh, we shall see what goes on speaking of which we're 10 minutes into the game is there anything worth reporting um, only that uh, Aaron Ramsdale very nearly did what Melier did against Arsenal <laughs> a couple of minutes ago. He uh, he got a pass back and went to clear it. And I think it was Wilson charged him down, but it missed a goal by a couple of yards. Just got a booking for Ben White as well for what it's worth. So That's hopefully good. a second one follows soon. Hopefully he, <laughs> he channels the ghost of Rob Holding. <laughs> They're running out of centre-backs there, aren't they? Brilliant. Well, um, he's only just come back, hasn't he, from, uh, uh, from, has, from yeah. injury. So he wasn't playing against I think that's, uh, that's yeah. a He cost more than earlier. Romero. I was just about to bring up Romero, actually, because, of course, the one piece of bad news that came out of the game was Romero not making the starting lineup and being injured for, I believe, the rest of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Not that that's very long, but he's out for the next game. Joe, were you a bit worried when you saw Sanchez in the lineup, or did you think that he could do the job? Yeah, I was worried. And how do you yeah. think he did, more importantly? He did well. Um, yeah. I, I thought he was a bit shaky at the start, the first sort of 30 minutes until mm. Holding got sent off, which basically killed the game for us. We know we, we, we dominated yeah. after that point. But I was nervous. He gave the ball away a couple of times on the edge of the box and didn't seem mm. at all comfortable with short passing in our box, the way that we, we like to play with, you know, Dyer, Davis and Romero. So I, I was very, very nervous at that point. Fair enough. That's understandable. Although he did have a part to play in the goal, didn't he, Elio? I think he was the one who played that ball in to Kane, which is something we thought we might miss from Romero that kind of nice long progressive passing out from defence I do agree with Joe he did actually give it away a couple of times early on but I think that was just Arsenal pressing high and giving us a lot of problems and boxing us in but I think as the game went on he actually turned into one of our better players didn't he? I thought he had a really good game bear in mind he hadn't started a match in two three months anyway yeah. and he, he came in and I don't think he looked rusty particularly uh, maybe early on he did based on what Joe's just said I think from a defensive point of view, I never felt like we missed Romero, which obviously Romero is a better player, but which I also think goes to show the value of one of our other defenders, Eric Dyer, given how we fell apart when he wasn't in the team and Romero was a couple of months ago. So I think yeah. big praise for Davinson Sanchez for how he's performed since coming back in. Big praise for Eric Dyer as well for how mm. he has marshaled that defence all season and yet still uh, remains out of our beleaguered England manager's mm. thinking. 
bizarrely, but who knows why that is. I think you made the point that Sanchez is relatively similar in style to Romero, isn't he? So I guess even if he's not as good a version, if there's someone you want to replace to fit into that kind of slot, he does make the most sense. Dave, my favourite moment of that game, I think, or certainly one of my favourite moments of that game, was Emerson Royale picking up a flare that had been thrown onto the pitch after Kane's penalty and running to celebrate with his teammates and waving it around in the air, creating some kind of like tornado of white smoke, which was just brilliant. I kind of felt like maybe that's not safe, but I was too busy just cheering and thinking this guy is slowly turning into a bit of a cult hero. Um, More importantly, he had what is probably third straight really good game for us. Have you paid any attention to Emerson Royale? And do you think there's a player there? I haven't paid any attention to Emerson Royale, but but I no, I have, I have, no, I have noticed. I have noticed that he has been playing well, and mm. and and you know, I think that's one of the. We said it several times as the season has gone on, and as I said, you know, with that kind of familiarity breeds people looking like they belong in a place rather than square pegs in round holes, and I think that's happened at different speeds, but for basically every single one of your wing backs. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Doherty, it was really quick and he, and he adapted to it really well. And it was a real shame when he got his injury. Royale, certainly, over the past few games, has really looked like he's absolutely not a liability, which we, or certainly you guys, have feared that he was yeah. um, Many of us uh, earlier in the season. Mm. Uh, and and Cessillon as well. It's worth talking about him as well. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's had a few decent games for you. I think yeah. he got voted man of the match. I think he uh, did, yeah. For the, for the, was it for the Burnley game now? In the Burnley game, he had the highest expected assists of any player in the Premier League that week. So well, there, there you go. go. No, no so so no. yeah, I, th- I think you can lump Emerson into that whole bucket of players who may have taken a little bit of longer than other players to get used to the way that Conte wants to play, but now they are used to it. They are not necessarily thriving, but certainly looking at very capable Premier League wingbacks, which is mm. which is good for you because it means that, you know, maybe you don't need to buy a whole new raft of wingbacks. You only need to buy a new one. <laughs> Elio, what do you think of Emerson Royale? I know we talked about him a few times, but he continues to prove a few doubters wrong. While I was busy cheating on you guys and listening to another Spurs podcast, I was listening to The Extra Inch, and um, Bardi, regular from that show, mentioned that against Liverpool, Emerson looked really good because he was forced to play as a fullback rather than a wingback because of how high Liverpool pushed, and he actually had a good game for that reason. Do you think, potentially there's a place for him as a right centre-back maybe not as a first-teamer because obviously that's Romero's slot and he's got that locked down but do you think there's a place for him in the squad to either play in those games where we're going to be sitting deep or maybe as a right centre-back a la Jaffa Tanganga type I think if we need to break glass in case of emergency then we could put him at right centre-back but we've got Romero we've got Sanchez we've got Tanganga there's probably already Mm. too many just within that contingent bearing in mind how light we are on the other side of our central defence so I wouldn't want us to have an injury crisis bad enough to put him there He's a right back. He's a right back who has a good degree of energy, athleticism, bit of pace, very strong, good in the air. And despite looking a bit ungainly, is actually a right with one touch football. He Mm. is now channeling those positive attributes into good wing back performances. Um, Okay, he's still not looking quite natural as a wing back, but he's actually getting high up the pitch and contributing to the attack in a really positive way. He may not be the one delivering the final ball, but he's having good interchanges with players like Kulusevski, Bentoncourt, Hoybier. He's getting Mm. the ball into dangerous areas. And even if it's just winning a corner, that's a positive thing. And he's doing a fair bit of that. So, yeah, yeah, I do think ultimately 
we want a career right wing back there. And that questions maybe whether or not Emerson hangs around. But right now, can't fault him in the slightest. And Conte has got him using his wing back friendly attributes very, very well. Can't argue with any of that whatsoever. We kind of skirted over the third goal, didn't we? We didn't really talk too much about it. I'm not sure if there is much to say because the game was, as we say, kind of dead and buried at that point. But Joe, what do you think of that goal? Balling for Sanchez, very good centre-forward play from Kane. Potential penalty in there if Son hadn't followed up with a goal. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, it, it just keeps this theme of Son just scoring every time you've given an opportunity over the last few <laughs> weeks. You know, his, his finishing yeah. is just perfect. And it, it felt a bit weird that he hadn't scored yet by this point because he had such a good first half. But uh, yeah. no, it's, it's more of the same from the last few weeks, really. Just whatever foot he puts it on. Had you captained Son in your FPL team? No. No, I've no? been punished badly the last month for having Kane instead of Son. Ah, rookie mistake. Rookie yeah. mistake, Joe. Uh, but no, that does take him to 21 now, doesn't it? 21. So he's, he's one behind Salah, who is uh, you know, drying up a bit. And now he's, he's injured, I think, for the last game. So it's there for the taking. You know, add that to the trophy cabinet. But Joe, I mean, in terms of the players, we've talked about a few already. We talked about Emerson, we talked about Sanchez having a decent game, Sessegnon. Do you have a standout man of the match from that game? I mean, obviously Harry Kane scored the two goals, but any performers that you think warrant a little bit of fanfare or that we haven't talked about already? Yeah, I think, I don't want to just keep naming players, but I mean, what mm. one name I'm surprised... It's hard not to with a good performance, though, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. You, you just want to go through and give everyone a pat on the back. One player I'm surprised Elio hasn't mentioned is Ben Davis because I thought he was great mm. against Arsenal. Really, really good. So aggressive in like a very controlled way. And I really wasn't sure about Ben Davis when he was starting to get talked up a lot in this podcast, uh, you know, a few months ago. But he, he's really winning me over now. He, he's looking really yeah. classy and I think pretty set for a first team place next season isn't he I don't I don't think we're trying to upgrade Davis now I remember one block he made that was particularly spectacular wasn't it jumping across I can't remember who shot Elio do you have a man of the match it's hard not to go with the goal scorers in games like this but Mm. I think Davies is a very strong shout Dyer never gets noticed he's almost like you know that when people used to talk about good sort of holding midfielders that you you know they've had a good performance if you actually don't notice they're there Mm. That's so true. Be, that's kind of what Dyer has become. And because he's playing pretty much as a sweeper these days, he mops up while the other two centre-backs press on and yeah. he deals in with the balls around the back. He deals in with the balls over the top. Because he's taken that kind of midfielder in defence role, I think the fact that we're not noticing him in the slightest is a really good thing because he's in the most vulnerable position. If he makes a mistake we can see the shot on target at the very mm-hmm. least and potentially a goal. So so yeah. I'd like to actually say Eric Dyer would be a, a strong shout for man of the match. Yeah. But listen, everyone played well. I mean, the reason we dominated them is because we had both our midfielders playing really well. Both our mm. fullbacks did a really, or wingbacks did a really good job. Like there, there wasn't a bad performance in there. I find myself second guessing myself when it comes to Eric Dyer for exactly that reason. Like you say, I don't notice him that much. And I think, is he actually that good or am I just flattering him because, you know, we had a clean sheet or whatever. I don't really notice or remember that many things that he does, but that is probably exactly why he is deserving of all this praise. Do you think it was potentially a case of the occasion being a bit much for the young Arsenal boys? That's an excuse that gets wheeled out (laughs) when a team that everyone's prematurely praised gets taught a lesson. I think if you're playing Premier League football, then you're good enough for the big occasion, whether you're 21, 25, 31, whatever. So no, I I don't subscribe to that. Who specifically are you talking about then? Yeah. (laughs) What, out of the kids? Yeah. 
the winger yeah, you played know, in the European, Cup, only played European in Championship the, final. In the Euros final, hasn't he? You know, we saw yeah. how that went. He bottled it then, and you know, bottled it again mm, okay. at our stadium. So, no, <laughs> okay. no, I'm kidding. I mean, they are a young team. Let's be honest. They are the youngest starting eleven, and this is the first time they've played probably in in that kind of environment. You would imagine. I think anyone would have found it difficult. I think it's mainly you turning up mm. rather than them not playing the occasion where by, they should. By you, you, know, you mean us as fans. We won yeah, the game for no, the team. It's Spurs in general. You know, as I've learned very, very starkly very recently, you can have 40,000, 60,000, doesn't matter. The yeah. noise is the noise. You can have a stadium full of noise and support and positivity mm. and chanting. And if your team don't turn up, you still get turned over. So, yeah. you know, you help each other, sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's the, a big benefit of having a big stadium when you've got a real positive atmosphere like that. Obviously, the negative is having a real big stadium like that when you don't have the results going for you. It's not a big game. Uh, yeah. And then you, you know, you play football in the library, don't you? But, mm. but you know, I, I think hats off to the Tottenham fans for going for it and really creating that atmosphere. But then hats off to the Spurs team for really channeling that and, uh, yeah. and, and putting in a performance that deserved to win by three clear goals. Absolutely. And the thing is, Arsenal's young side is also very expensively assembled young sides. Uh, they, they didn't get Ben White and uh, Ramsdale for peanuts, did they? So... It's not as if there's not sort of players in there that are meant to be really, really highly rated. Another point, in fact, is that for all their youth or whatever, the pressure was on us. We are the team that if we lost that game, we were out of the race. Mm. Arsenal lost the game and still have their fate in their hands if they win tonight against Newcastle and win again on the final day against Everton and there's nothing we can do about that so Mm. the pressure was all on us we were the ones that it was last chance saloon for it's just that we are a better team than Arsenal it's as simple as that I'm assuming there have been no score updates since our last nil nil still nil nil okay good just just checking we'll take a nil nil with with both hands did anyone see Arteta's post-match interview because obviously I heard about it on the way back from the game, but I've, I've seen a few stills and he genuinely looks like he's crying. And I mean, full on crying. <laughs> he came, I, don't, I don't have a full quote, but he was basically saying a beautiful game was ruined today by the referee. And he said, um, I've got a tweet here from Charlie Eccleshare in quotes. I prefer not to. Artesta's going full Jose. <laughs> it was it was absolutely throwing his toys out of the pram and he really did not take it with any grace whatsoever. But uh, what do you expect from the guy that made this game happen in May when it was supposed to happen in January? Pressure's getting to him. Hmm. He's deflecting. Right manager. Manager. He's deflecting. He's de- it's, you know, management but 101. Your team's just absolutely got absolutely smashed by your fiercest rivals in, mm. a, in a two-horse race and you're only just ahead of them. He has to say that. He has to say yeah. the referees are he has to say everything was against us because he has to get his boys ready for the next game which yeah. is a huge game at, at St James's Park indeed it is which is going to be exactly the same speaking um, of huge games they're of, all um, huge games at the moment and we were under pressure at home against Arsenal we were equally under pressure against Burnley and we, we handled it well we didn't quite run away with it the way we did against Arsenal but we managed to win with another penalty deserved win but was pretty nerve-wracking wasn't it Dave's shaking his head a lot that was the most nerve-wracking game of football that doesn't involve Leeds that I've ever experienced. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, because it was just <laughs> as much 
Uh, well, yeah, I'm thankful for you. Monkeys about you guys, but yeah, yeah, Burnley yeah. had scored. You know, they hit mm. the post, and they, they looked pretty threatening for a, for a period of that time. I was having yeah. heart palpitations. The last five minutes were not comfortable whatsoever. I think it was a more nerve wracking game than it needed to be. First yeah. twenty minutes, we were by far the better side. We're un- unlucky that we weren't winning already. Then we kind of ran out of ideas, and we were doing sort of a lot of passing, sort of. 80% up the pitch without really finding a way through. Then the penalty incident happened shortly after Harry Kane missed a chance that you'd have expected him to score. I hadn't seen the handball on replays I have, and uh, I've heard yeah. their manager doing what Dave has just said Arteta did, deflecting. Yeah. It no, was a no penalty. It, yeah, it was clearly a penalty. If that happens anywhere on the pitch, it's a free kick. It's yeah. a penalty. And His frankly, with right the weird handball play. penalties against we've had in the last couple of seasons and in the Champions League final, apparently, because as you know, I have yet to see it. I genuinely don't think I'm going to feel sorry for anyone over that. Then the second half, Burnley came out a bit more. Dave very nervously watching on. It looked like uh, they might do something. They did hit the post with what I think was probably their only real dangerous moment of the match. But their keeper made, what, Three great saves. I mean, Hyunmin Son, yeah. I think, could have had a hat trick. Uh, there was one save yeah, low down from Son, which I was out of my seat celebrating from the other side of the stadium and then mm. sort of head in hands. Why didn't that go in? Uh, yeah. Which was a lovely pass in from Ryan Sessegnon, by the way. So I think the result massively flattered Burnley. And I think that the game didn't need to be as nervy for any of us as it did had the chances that you thought would go in, gone in. Nick Pope's a good goalkeeper. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Glenn Hoddle actually gave him man of the match as it happens earlier. So uh, obviously vindicating your comments there. So that tells you. I think I think out of the yeah out of the I'm gonna say three teams that could go down in terms of yeah. Everton, Burnley, or Leeds. Somebody's gonna get a really good keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potentially an England keeper, one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, you mentioned Sessegnon. I mean, Sessegnon, not only was he really good going forward, he was really good defensively, I thought. There was one moment where, I can't remember who put the ball in, but it was Dwight McNeil going in for a header, and Sessegnon just sprinted in and basically intercepted it with a really good header, which is, you know, it's kind of over and above what you necessarily expect from an attacking wing-back, but he did a, did a really good job. And Loris made a big save as well, not for the first time in the last few weeks. Uh, I think it was from Cornet. Really mm. good sort of reflex tip over yeah so everyone did their job everyone did their job it could have gone another way but i think you gotta be pretty proud of how the team handled that challenge you know full well i hate playing burnley you know full well i wanted them to already be down by the time we played <laughs> yeah. them as i'm sure late dave as also dave wanted them too. to already be down mm-hmm. so that this wouldn't have been as tricky a game as it was i'll be delighted if they are the team that goes down out of the three and that's not because i mates with dave that's because i hate playing them and that's because now that sean dyke isn't there there is nothing good about that club i can deal with the defensive football i can deal with the aggressive tactics i can deal with the long balls but if you're going to have to time waste from the fifth minute of the match on every goal kick in order to stay in this division, then what's the point in being this decision? Go down and actually go down and actually play some decent footballers, one of the better teams in the league below the following season. Like 85 minutes worth of time wasting for a nil-nil is... I mean, their fans can't want to see that, surely. And, mm. and the thing is, had their, their board actually backed Sean Dyke as manager... 
they probably wouldn't need to play that way to stay up with two games to go because they've been in the Premier League for a long time. They've obviously made a lot of money out of the TV deals. You heard my rant about Leeds board the other day and the amount of money they could have spent last summer. Burnley's like that times a thousand. So quite frankly, they deserve what they get. And I absolutely hope that they are playing in the league below next season. Yeah, I think you're not alone there. Me too. Who's going down, Joe? Well, we were talking about this before Dave joined, weren't we? Um, <laughs> I don't, know. don't I, tell him what we were talking about. I, I agree with Elio. I can imagine Burnley not getting anything from the last two games, but Leeds really <laughs> don't fill me with confidence as much as I want them to stay up. Mm. So uh, I'm staying on the it's, fence. It's on, it's on Burnley. It's on Burnley. Yeah. They got they got Villa away and they've got Newcastle at home. Yeah. And I genuinely believe if they get a point from those two games, then yeah. Leeds will go down. They're basically, to you, what Arsenal are to us at the moment, aren't they? They're, it's close, but you kind of rely on a little bit of good fortune and someone dropping the ball somewhere. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Them and Everton, I guess. Everton still are in the conversation. They could still go down. Everton are at home against Palace. Now, mm. but obviously, it was it was all about Everton's home form. And then, and then uh, they got turned over by Brentford yesterday which oh, of course was, yeah which yeah, was actually. wonderful yeah um so that was the game where they should have made themselves safe and they've got another chance on thursday and mm. uh if they don't take that then it's arsenal at the emirates so <laughs> thursday could be very interesting because if if villa beat burnley and if palace beat everton or, or even if they just stop them from winning then the last game of the season could be fantastic this is one big merry-go-round, isn't it, at the moment? Hell on earth for me. <laughs> yeah. None of this is you. nice for any of us. Well, once again, I also want an Everton loss because they're playing Arsenal on the final game of the season. So if Everton needs exactly. to stay up, that would be absolutely lovely. I think mm. with the two sendings off, Deli Ali's going to have to play by default as well. So hopefully he gets some passion in him for doing Spurs a favour. Um, but yeah, I really yeah. do want Everton to lose midweek, even though I don't particularly want them to go down. I love the tweet you showed me, Elio, where it was just a picture of Deli Ali and Kieran Trippier with their eyes glowing red, just saying, sleeper agents activate. <laughs> that was brilliant. They nice. can do us a big favour. Um, Joe, any comments on the Burnley game? Because uh, you didn't really get much to say about that. I know it was not the most eventful game, but how do you think we did? I think Ben Sanker needs to stop shooting from outside the area. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's not working now. And also, I think interestingly, one player that stood out for me in the Burnley game, which I was thinking about when Elio said he doesn't seem to stand out in other games, was Eric Dyer, especially in the mm. first half when we were starting to get a bit desperate to make something happen. You know, he was really getting forwards. You know, he was like getting down the left wing, trying to push things, getting the ball in. That yeah. cross he put in, he put in a great cross for, was it Lucas? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he actually really was pushing on on that one. I, I, he did for once. He kind of stood out to me yeah. in a very positive way, trying to get forward. Mm. But it, it was exactly what I thought it would be that game. I, I really yeah. thought it would be nil nil. Frankly, I just thought it was going to. I just thought mm. I had nil nil all over it. So I was delighted to get that pen because I thought yeah. that this might this might see us over the line. And a deserve pen too. Do you know what I noticed, which was quite surprising and quite encouraging? I, I felt like we dominated Burnley in the air, which is not what you expect. Maybe part of that is the fact that we had Sanchez in for Romero, because for all his brilliance, that's maybe one area that we've been critical of him. But did anyone else feel that we were getting the better of them, not just in set pieces, but just generally when the ball was played long and high, which is kind of probably how you beat you beat Burnley, really. 
Or um, is that just me in, in my own fantasy land? Because you mentioned Eric Dyer there, and obviously he's he's always been pretty good in those situations. I didn't particularly notice that. I no. do remember often shouting, get the ball on the ground, because I was uncomfortable with how much <laughs> it was in the air, especially yeah, exactly. in and around midfield. But, mm. well, if that's the case, then fair enough. We, we have a fairly tall team, to be fair. I can't mm. think who in our starting lineups not sort of competent in the air. I mean, our worst player in the air that started is probably one of our taller players in Son. So, so it stands to reason that we, we, we'd have competed in that respect, but it didn't overly occur to me, no. No one's better than Lucas Moura, though. Mm. Lucas Moura with his most aerial duels won. Well, look, we, we talked about our games that we have played. Let's talk about our games that we have yet to play, or our game, I should say, which is away at already relegated Norwich, probably one of the worst sides that the Premier League has seen in some time, <laughs> or at least the statistics would suggest so. I'm guessing we're all terrified about that game, right? Surely not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, w- I would say on the beach, but they're not on the beach. They're in the cafe that the losing team go in the Apprentice. They I'm are. They're, they're literally are thinking about what they've just done. I'm hoping there's some hangovers in the dressing room. I'm hoping they've already well, packed it in. Look, they've, they've they've had plenty of time, plenty of opportunities in the last mm. in the last uh, few weeks to give themselves a you know a little bit a little smidge of redemption. But they got rolled over five one at home against Leicester. Mm. Well, assuming we're going to do a job against Norwich then, where are Arsenal going to lose their points? Is it looking any more likely that they're going to drop points today? I mean, obviously... Newcastle are by far the better team so far. We're 34 Arsenal, minutes Arsenal in. Arsenal have come into it a bit. Saka's been a bit more noticeable. But, mm. but Newcastle have had the chances so far. Every time the ball is anywhere near St. Maximan, he terrifying is terrifying them. them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm. There was a moment about sort of two minutes ago where just to punt up the pitch, clearing the ball... It was given as a free kick or offside or something like that, but he absolutely roasted whoever his marker was and had the flag not gone up he, the way he cut in, he was scoring a goal there. So mm. so I, I think it, it just takes one lapse from Arsenal and he's doing something. I, I really applaud the way Newcastle have gone into this because they could be on the beach the way we're hoping Norwich will be next week. Unbelievable, Jeff. And to be clear, if they don't win today... It's advantage us, right? Because we are then, what, a point clear with the same... If they don't win today, they, then it's advantage us, we're a point clear. If they yeah. lose today, then all we'll need is a point at Norwich. <sighs> that almost makes me more nervous. But let's not talk like this because <laughs> this is where <laughs> we get not. our comeuppance. This let's is not, where we get our comeuppance. But let's nonetheless <laughs> keep a very close eye on that game as it goes on with the rest of the 37 years supporting this club suggests to me that we are more than capable of going into the final day ahead of Arsenal and losing mm. to an already relegated <laughs> Norwich to screw it up. So It was almost so. perfect. Elliot, that was almost perfect timing with St. Maximum again going on a run, but uh, mm. Ramsdale saved. Ah, I'm about a second behind it. I've just seen it now and uh, I'm about to see the corner. So you'll be the first to see it if, yeah. uh, if they will the break right the news thing does happen. If there's a goal. Fantastic. Well, let's hope we hear about a Newcastle goal between now and the end of the podcast. But in the meantime, please get in touch with us if you can on Twitter. Please follow us and check out what we're doing on social media. Our Twitter is at Plus Day Podcast. You can email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com as well. And we're always keen to hear from you. We always want to know what our listeners are up to, what they think about Spurs, what they want to talk about anything that you feel is worth running by us then then get in touch and on the topic of our listeners we have as i mentioned earlier a couple of new countries that have joined our ranks so we have had listeners from two new countries this week which i'm very excited to announce the first of which is switzerland which has given us none other than mr ramon vega among others 
as well as a former manager who we should probably not talk too much about. Um, Elio, <laughs> I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about Ramon Vega because I know he's a player that you have a certain fondness for. I absolutely do. I mean, he wasn't our best player, I think, in his first couple of games. He managed to score on goals, get sent off. He sort of, <laughs> it wasn't quite Jonathan like Woodgate at Real Madrid, but it, it wasn't too, too far off. But he played a lot of games for us. He was with us for quite a few years. He was a player that played with all of his heart. He, he did have a bit of ability as well, um, but he, he also had a mistake in him, which is why he was at Spurs. And he <laughs> is most fondly remembered by me anyway for the League Cup final, where we had taken in our lead against Leicester, having had a man sent off already. And I think Heskey basically checked and turned Sol Can left him for dead and mm. was thrown goal and Ramon Vega broken footed at the time dispossessed him or cleared off the line or something like that right at the very last so I'll always uh, remember that the first trophy I, I saw live with my own eyes was very much and one of only two I've seen obviously yep. was very much contributed to by big old Ramon Vega so for that I remember Ramon him Vega. fondly. I know you're a big fan of Ramon Vega aren't you Dave? Yeah, I quite like the way he just, I mean, I know there's there's every chance that he's got an agenda, but I like the way he just kind of says it like he is on social media. Mm. And, you know, it's it's quite refreshing to see it's kind of what you want to see. You just want to see former professionals who had an affinity with the club. Just, yeah. Just give a shit. Yeah. And just kind of tell it like it is on, on social media and just almost say what you're thinking at the same time. So, mm. like for example, and I'm going to bring it back to Leeds now, but I didn't realize, but when we scored our equalizer on Sunday, I saw a video and our former striker, Luciano Becchio, I mean, he was at the club for a good five years, but he was there. And he was, yeah. and he was nice, going absolutely mental. And, you know, I see it all the time, you know, tweets from people like Becky, from people like, I mean, so, you know, some of it's like League One, League One guys that you guys don't even know I'm talking about, but people like Sanchez Watt, Lloyd Sam, who was just on Twitter, have barely a season with Leeds, but they got mm. that affiliation and they got, under, and they understood the club. And now they tweet and say, oh, brilliant amazing performance go on leads march on together it's just great it's just great yeah. to have former footballers in social media that say what you're feeling if, if, that, if that makes well, sense i completely get that dave if you're really lucky and the next couple of games go the way you want them to you'll get to live your dream of having erling Haaland at Elland road next season how do you feel about that um <laughs> i don't want to countenance that no. <laughs> league one liam marking erling Haaland. hey liam cooper <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's the one you want on him. He's absolutely the awesome. Like he, he <laughs> must have won every single aerial duel on Sunday. He's he's such a difference maker in the Leeds team. Bit of positive news, by the way, coming from the Arsenal match. Um, mm -hmm. We have Tommy Isu on the 39th minute coming off injured to replace be replaced at right back by uh, a little useless good news, um, nice. Cedric Soares. Uh, well, um, he was walking, so it can't be that bad. But okay. I think I think he's I think he's 40 minutes of St. Maximan is quite enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, St. Maximan on Cedric, it's something that I want to see. So I, I, <laughs> yeah. I am very happy yeah, about exactly. that. Probably be quite similar to Son on Cedric and Holding last week. Um, Joe, can you by any chance tell me, and this isn't an official challenge earlier question, can you tell me the two other Swiss players who have played for Spurs and the manager? Uh, well, the manager will be Christian Gross. It is indeed. Less um, said about his reign, the better. Players. The players. There's one that I honestly, I, I can tell you, until today, I'd never even heard of him. And I'd be shocked if even Elio knows him. They're both pretty vague or... I can tell you one Not, of them that I remember yeah. fairly well, and Come that's Rato Ziegler. Yeah, that's the one I knew. But the other one... 
Who actually was with our squad for two years, but played all of about three games? I'd never even heard of. Oh, wait. No. No, Jonathan Blondell was Belgian. Um, No, I'm not going to get this. His first name was Milos. Milos Velkovic, who I'd never heard of. I did know Milos Velkovic. I did not realize he he was Swiss. Yeah, well, he was, he was a youngster that was um, very yeah. highly vaunted. I think he's had a pretty good mm. career in Germany since, but he never really got his breakthrough with us centre-back yeah. midfielder type and very talented. But uh, yeah, never got a go. Left More important question, does Ramon Vega get into Plus Dave FC? I think I'll save that for, for Twitter. <laughs> but um, you know What, what but, might help you make that decision is when I tell you the other country that has listened to us, we have had our first right. ever listener from none other than South Korea. So welcome, whoever you are, listening to us in South Korea. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to put Lee Young-pyo into our team. Fantastic <laughs> news. Uh, I mean, I, I look would forward to updating the team. I would say tell us all about Son, but we've done more than enough of that over the last few weeks, and we probably will do again next week. Lee Young-pyo, any words? Fondly thought of player, good old YP, very industrious, very hardworking player, gave us all every time. Wasn't really cut out for this league. He was a bit feeble. He, he never looked as good for us as he did in the World Cup or for, for I think it was PSV we got him from, wasn't it? But uh, he was a talented enough player, but right footer at left back, back in those days in the Premier League with mm. wingers who liked to go around the outside, it, it never really was going to end that well unless he was very, very good. And <laughs> you don't think he, he inspired was not. Cancelo? I, I think uh, Cancelo probably probably has other other players to look at. Uh, but no, he was a likeable guy. He he was a, a decent enough player. He certainly wasn't yeah. the worst around at the time. But him and Stahl Terry, sort of either side of our defence, was also an element of maybe what held us back from mm. getting Champions League a touch earlier than we eventually did. Well, if you're listening and you've listened to us for a while or you're a follower of us on Twitter, you might have seen in the past we've posted a team made up of players from all the countries we've had listeners in and it's ever-evolving as we get new countries added to that list. And of course, now we have South Korea and Switzerland to work into it. So um, I'm going to task you, Elio, with once we're done with this, with the job of updating that team and trying to find the best balance and look forward to seeing what you come up with. And we will, of course, post that on our Twitter page for everyone to have a look at and criticise and uh, tell you you're wrong and all of that. I'm never wrong. No. I, I, I'm accepting your final team, absolutely. As Patrick Clivert would testify. <laughs> it is now time for Challenge Elio. If you're new here, Challenge Elio is the time of the show where every week I ask a load of questions based on wholly inaccurate and badly researched information and normally make several mistakes leading to a lot of stress and drama, but it is our trivia game and it takes the format of Elio versus the others. And we're going to have a couple of questions today. I figured this might be a bit of a lengthy episode with the Arsenal games to talk about and obviously a few things going on, but it is going to have one Spurs question that will take the format of the whole penalty shootout style where you go back and forth trying to name a player. And we're going to have a Who Am I? game at the end which will be describing a current or former Spurs player in a series of clues to have everyone guess everyone feeling considerably warmed up after that little Swiss intro ready to it. go let's yeah. do it Dave get ready. your WhatsApp ready we'll be texting I'm on it I'm on it. So as you'll know, I try to keep the themes of the questions every week at least borderline relevant to what's going on in the world of Spurs. So as you all no doubt know, Harry Kane is, of course, 
the highest goal scorer of all time in the North London derby. And he has now run away even further with that after the weekend. His first North London derby goal, this isn't an official question, was Elio? Wait. Sorry, I was watching uh, the Newcastle game. <laughs> I was just trying to it's catch you out. Time. It's half time. It's half time. When was Kane's first goal in the North London derby? Uh, it was the header from, I believe, a Nabil Bentaleb cross in the 14-15 season. It was in At White Hart Lane. It was in February 2015. Very good. But that is not the question. That was just me giving you a chance to show off for free. What I'd like you guys to do is to take turns trying to name players on this list. And this is a list of all the Spurs players who have scored against Arsenal since Harry Kane made his debut for Spurs. Not since he scored his first goal. So that is since 25th of August, 2011. I want you to try and name all the players that have scored the 36 goals for Spurs against Arsenal in all competitions. Obviously, Harry Kane is given. 36. 36. 36. I will say 13 of those are Harry Kane, which is 36% of our goals against Arsenal come from Harry Kane, which is pretty outrageous in itself. But um, So we're looking for 23 other goals. Yeah, basically. One of them is an own goal, Goodness. which I'll be very impressed if someone can remember. But the rest are all is this players. Is this all in the league or is this in This is in all well? competitions, I believe. Okay. All competitions. And um, I'm going to give the first guest to the challengers. And you're not allowed to say Harry Kane. <laughs> Which I'm hoping isn't too much of a hindrance, but uh, who are you going to go with first? Go with can the, I do this one? Yeah, you can do this it. one, Dave. It's not Ramon Vega. Son. Unsurprisingly, Son Heung-min has scored how many goals against Arsenal? Don't care! <laughs> <laughs> so Son is, of course, correct. Back to you, Elio. Name another player who scored against Arsenal since August 2011. Delhi. Delhi Ali is correct. He has scored two goals against Arsenal in April 17 and December 18. Back to team Joe and Dave. Jan Vertonghen. Final answer? Yep. Jan Vertonghen is not on this list. What? I'm sure he, he may have scored a goal against Arsenal, but it would One job, been. Joe. One <laughs> job. You know what? I'm pretty sure Elio is about convinced to win this. He but I would, if, if you guys would like to carry on just for fun... We can. No, he has not scored in that time for Spurs against I'll Arsenal. I'll tell you who is on Why the list, Why did you though? pick yeah. Jan Vertonghen? And I believe yeah, it was... was in... I think it was in the last North London derby at White Hart Lane. It was either that or it was in the first game at Wembley. It was either 16-17 or 17-18. But we're not going for the year here. We're going for the player. And that player was Toby Alderweireld. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> and he's actually scored two in that time against Arsenal. In yeah, March 16 and July 2020. Elio's slow layup yeah. for his delivery of those I know, I love is soul destroying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it must have been quarter to four in the afternoon when he rose like a phoenix. Mm. I've said it your Elio it's, impression. It's like <laughs> my Jacob Reese Mogg. It's like I was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about Elio, Elio Dumbledore. I've said it before, but it's like when a player's through on goal and then he takes it around the keeper and then just slowly jogs it into the net because he's got all the time in the oh, world. gets on his knees and heads it yeah, like an yeah. absolute <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, well, well look, that's, I'm not that's Harry Kane's second Elio's goal against Arsenal the other this day. Game. Yeah, exactly. Elio's won this game, but I think just for fun, seeing as we're only four players in, let's see if we can go a little bit further. Would you like to hazard another guess, Joe and Dave? I think Dave should make this one after that effort from Joe, honestly. Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale is on the list with just the single goal, actually, in that time frame in November 2012. He's it. Very good. Probably should have said him before Jan Batongan, but no. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go for the spectacular, haven't you? 
Sorry, Joe. Centre back. Elio. And in the exact same game that Gareth Bale scored, his um, Aaron Lennon. You know what? I'm going to put you guys out of our misery, and we can have an update on the Arsenal game. Uh, so we've got Van der Vaart. It's half-time, It's nil nil. Okay. Saha, Louis Saha, February 2012. Adebayor with two in two different games. Um, Bale, Chadley, Kane with a whole load. Out of our old Dyer, Delhi, Son, Ericsson, and the best goal of them all, award-winning goal, Eric Lamella. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. With the, uh, the nutmeg Rabona. With the Lamella. With the Lamella, yeah. There you go. So the Lamella that, being that, the, the combo move of brilliant moment yeah. sending off. <laughs> Which is also the Lamella. The Lamella. And the own goal, anyone? Any, I'd be impressed if you can get this. Who scored the own goal for Arsenal? Martin Keown. Nah. He did actually score one against us once, I think. But I mean, no. this is way that's way before he scored the an time own goal period. For, uh, in his, this was in September 2015. I mean, he scored an own goal in his yeah in his prediction for the game. That's for sure. Scored an own goal, saying that no Spurs player would get into the Arsenal team. So yeah, September 2015. Who scored the own goal for Arsenal? Callum Chambers. So there you go. We found something Elio didn't know. Brilliant. I was actually going to say Rob Holding, if anyone. And Callum Chambers is like Rob Holding. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they, they've merged into one person, haven't they? The only thing he didn't do was an own goal, basically. Right, let's get on to the Who Am I game now, shall we? So, seeing as it is half-time in the Arsenal game, how long have we got until the second half kicks off? Uh, about 10 minutes. Okay, well, we might, might even be done with this by the time that rolls around and we can actually watch the second half. So, uh, let's see how we get on. So, the Who Am I game, as the name suggests, is a game where I will give a load of clues to the guys about a current or ex-Spurs player. And each time, they will take in turns to have a guess to see if they can name who it is. And... The first clue is I am six foot one. Elio. Who's going? Oh, I'm going first. Yeah. I'm um, six foot one. Uh, I wish I was six foot one. Um, <laughs> it's not the first time you've said that on this show, I don't think any. Probably not. Uh, we're, we're getting predictable. <laughs> Ledley King. It's not Ledley King. Next clue. I have played for two English clubs. Joe and Dave. Any guesses? We're exchanging texts. <laughs> <laughs> we're not oh, okay. exchanging You're not just ignoring text. me. Okay. We're not exchanging text. You're just watching the half-time just analysis writing of someone. Arsenal Newcastle, aren't you? Just writing someone off the back of one clue <laughs> and off the back of the second. He's written not, and then that person. <laughs> not Aaron Lennon. He's not six foot one. It's, uh, yeah, it's not high quality. It's not Jose Dominguez. getting at this stage. Um, it's really not. Uh, Gareth Bale. No. Although I think he probably is six foot one. It sounds about right. Uh, next clue. Freddie That's Ogo. a good guess. I have 66 international caps. I feel like that's a much better clue than you, just, you guys just got. 66? 66 international caps. Toby Alderweireld. It's not Toby Alderweireld. Back to you guys. I scored in the Champions League against Tottenham Hotspur. I know who it is. Do you? That's pressure. Hmm. Um, Elio thinks he knows. So this might be your no, last I know, guess. I know, he knows, I know. He knows, he knows. Could it I not be possibly a, two players? I know a tall player who's played for two English clubs who has a buttload of caps for his country who scored against us in the CL before we there signed There might them. be several of those, Elio. I knew that clue was too good. That's why I gave uh, it to them. We, we are, we've got some ideas here. I wish... Uh, anyway, maybe name three, and if one of them is right, I'll give you the points. Cue outrage. No. Yeah. <laughs> off. There's the Dave. outrage. Go for it, Dave. Uh, we're going to go for Emmanuel Adebayor. 
It's not Emmanuel Adebayor. Okay, so in fairness, Adebayor did score against us twice in the Champions League. I was behind the goal. Real Madrid, yeah. Well. That's why I said it. That's why I said it. <laughs> Peter Crouch got okay. sent off early, and it was all downhill from there. To keep evidence of your other answers that you've written down, just in case you can say that you would have got it. But it's over to Elio to take the winning penalty. Who am I? Nasser Chadley. It is Nasser Chadley. He's Very good. He's six foot one, and he's uh, he's the last man to score against Arsenal, according to my stats, before the Harry Kane era began, basically. So uh, yeah, that's why I thought of him. And the other clues, for whatever they're worth, probably much better than the clues that Elio managed to get it from. I left Spurs for a reported fee of thirteen million pounds, a club record for my new team at the time. Club record for West Brom. I have scored the winning goal in a World Cup group stage match. You remember that? Against Not Japan. particularly. Against Japan, the, the, you know that counter-attack goal, a really lovely goal where they won 3-2 in under 19 yeah. against Japan in, uh, was it 2018? From 2-0 down and 1-3-2. That was the one indeed, yeah. Um, I have played alongside Dusan Tadic, Cesc Fabregas and Johnny Evans. I feel like these clues would have been better to start off with. Tadic was at 20, Cesc Fabregas was at Monaco and Johnny Evans was at West Brom. Monaco, yeah. And yeah. Those are the only clues that I've written down. I got lazy this week, but thankfully we didn't need them. We only needed a few clues and Elio wins challenge Elio yet again, adding more weight to the theory that he probably should be hosting rather than participating, which we are looking at doing next season. Joe, how do you feel about that? I don't think we've asked your thoughts on this. Elio's proposed that he takes over challenge. Joe was there when we came up with this meeting. Oh, were you? Oh, I was right here. You can see that my my memory is about as good as my research. Thanks. You're having a nightmare. Just wrap it up, yeah. I'm like Rob Rob Holding in podcast form. This has been your holding moment. I wish this was my worst one. This is par for the course. You guys okay with that, Elio, doing Challenge Elio next season? Well, we'll have to come up with a better name, but yeah. I think it's refreshing. Yeah, yeah it'd be exciting. Do you think he'll overestimate our ability to uh, remember obscure, minute details of matches that happened 15 years ago? Because that's what I'm afraid. Definitely. Yeah. Elio did host it one week. and He did? I think we were hammered. We looked, we, the we answer looked was Darren Anderson. <laughs> oh, yeah, the answer was Darren Anderson, wasn't it? And the answer can was we, Darren can we Anderson. Change it, can we change it from to the name of it from Challenge Elliot to just Elliot is challenged? Elliot <laughs> is challenged. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be honest. I, I feel like I'm going to have to start revising, though. I think I, Elliot, could you maybe like give us a heads up as to the theme you're going to take each week so we can, you know, you know, like, I mean, Spurs, I won't, hints of I won't, be in the exam. I won't diverge too far you. from what you've done, but yeah. it will be against people who have fairly similar levels of Spurs knowledge, so it'll be more competitive. I mean, Joe and Dave. <laughs> yeah, on that note, I'm going to stop trying to dig myself out of an even deeper hole. But before we wrap things up, can we have an update from St. James's Park? How's it looking over there? It's nil-nil. There's a Newcastle Sparko out on his back with medics mm. running on very fast, which is okay. always worrying. Mm. You always know that an injury is bad when the player doesn't move and roll around, and that's the case here. I didn't mm. actually see if it was a challenge or if it was off the ball, but if it was a challenge, then he's hurt and the referee might have a decision to make. We shall see. And um, There's a fairly worried-looking Eddie Nketiah right now, so I'm not sure mm. if he was involved or not. There's a card coming out for an Arsenal player, but it's yellow. So okay. hopefully the player is okay and, hopefully. and hopefully wreaks his Arsenal. vengeance in goal-scoring form. <laughs> exactly. Anyone got any final thoughts on the weekend, on the 
Arsenal game, Burnley game or anything for the rest of the season? Completely depends on the next 45 minutes. <laughs> it will, yeah. it will. And whoever's listening to this now knows what's happened. So we'll have to cut that off and, and see how we get on. But let's hope the next week, well, next week will be our last episode of the season, won't it? And it will, I presume, come when we know where we've finished. So mm. are we gonna go on who knows if we're even going to make one? We might just quit. We might be the beach. last ever episode, guys. I'm not going to lie. Well, hopefully <laughs> it's a big party. Hopefully we're all drunk for the final episode of the season. I think you can guarantee that I'll be drunk. Regardless <laughs> what You're drunk most weeks, Dave. That doesn't count. Yeah, but I, I, could be, I could be very emotional. <laughs> well, look, thank you all for joining us again. And a special thanks to our new listeners from Switzerland and South Korea. Uh, but of course, to everyone who <laughs> listens and everyone who will tune in next week, whatever state you will find us in. Let's hope that we will finally get over the line and get to that fourth spot. But either way, come rain or shine, we'll see you next week. Until then, stay classy and we'll see you for the next show. 